calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This week, the Down and Nerdy Podcast is brought to you by Claritin D. And shout out to the folks at Claritin who not just sponsored the show, but also provided some samples as well. Tis the season to breathe pollen. Yeah, I've been spending a lot more time outside. Yeah, I can tell those allergies are definitely acting up. I feel stuffy. I feel sluggish. The eyes are starting to water a little bit more. That's why I'm turning to Claritin D. Look, it's definitely helped me relieve my symptoms. It seems to work really, really fast for me as well. It's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongestion in your nose so you can breathe better. And hey, I'm noticing a lot of that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm looking forward to be able to enjoy much more outdoor time this spring and summer. A lot of that has to do with Claritin D. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Here's to another year of being more human. It's episode 402 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James Witham. So excited for Resident Alien to come back so you know that I had to bring back the cast to talk about the upcoming season two premiere, right? Alan Tudyk's going to be on the show this week. Corey Reynolds, Sarah Tomko, Alice Waterland, and Chris Sheridan, the showrunner and executive producer. Who better to get all the scoop on season two of Resident Alien than that group, right? Also, if you're an anime fan, you might want to know about something that's hitting select theaters this week. That's Sing a Bit of Harmony, which is a really, really fun new anime movie. Going to talk to Jordan Dash Cruz and Ian Sinclair about their characters in that upcoming movie as well. Should be a lot of fun. Also going to be talking about a whole bunch of trailers this week. You know, Moon Knight, Vikings Valhalla, the Cuphead show. I'll talk about those, plus the Lord of the Rings title. Yeah, I won't, I won't leave that out. Trust me on that. Let's get things started, though, with the group from Resident Alien. Those interviews are next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Tim Rozon from Winona Earth. On the Down and Nerdy Podcast. How do you go from wanting to destroy the Earth to wanting to save it? Season 2 of Resident Alien. Going to be coming to Sci-Fi Channel January 26th. Can't wait for the show to come back. And I actually had a chance to have a roundtable discussion with members of the cast this week. Joined by some fellow journalists to get some inside scoop on Season 2. So you're going to hear from so many amazing people. Starting with... 
showrunner and executive producer Chris Sheridan. Here's part of what he had to say about this upcoming season. I'm hey, James Witham with the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Thank you so much. Talking to Chris Sheridan, EP, showrunner, Mr. Everything for Resident Alien, which is coming back on January the 26th on Sci-Fi. Chris, it seems like there's a lot of threats to deal with this season. You have Mike and Liv's investigation. You've got General Wright's team that's not going anywhere. And now you've got Harry's people possibly coming to kind of finish the job that Harry isn't doing. So how do you kind of balance all of those things while still finding time to have the fun that you guys love to have on the show? It's a good question. The balance is really hard. There is a lot going on. There's not just a lot going on with the threats sort of heading towards Harry, but there's a lot going on in the other storylines that really have nothing to do with Harry, except sort of show thematically different pieces of human nature and that, you know, path of growth that humans have and the other characters that Harry's trying to learn himself. So it is a delicate balance. How do we balance it? I don't know. I mean, one of the one of the things that we did going into it that helped is the show always was about a bunch of different things. So I think the audience expects that. I think the audience expects a lot going on. And I think they expect a lot of, there's always a lot of different tones playing on in the show. And, you know, it was one of the, one of the questions going into it, are, would people be on board for a show that is really funny, but also has really emotionally connective moments and some dramatic, thrilling moments, plus the sci-fi. And as it turns out, they seem on board with it. It's, it's something that separates it from a lot of other shows. It's not just one thing. You can't put it into a one simple basket. And I think people are excited for that. And yeah, it's, it was a goal all along to always, always have Harry's comfort level threatened while he was on earth. So it's not too easy for him because that's where a lot of Alan Tudyk's comedy comes from is being, being put upon, whether it's, you know, from the general and her people or whether it's, you know, from the people in town who are making things difficult for him. Chris, I totally agree with what you said earlier about the show being more than just about Harry. There's a lot of great characters that we've seen on the show. Is there a character for this season that you really wanted to expand on more that we didn't get to see as much in season one? Well, our goal going into this season is to try to expand the world in general, you know, and try to expand all of them and see different aspects of their characters. And, and, you know, I think we did that. I think some of the more external characters we're seeing more of, we're seeing a little more of Darcy's friend, Judy. We're seeing more of Ellen, who's the nurse who works in the clinic, who's a bit of a foil for Asta. Ben Hawthorne's wife, Kate, played by Meredith Gerritsen. We're going to see more of her in, in uh, this season. She took a bit of a backseat in the first season to the stuff that, that uh, Ben was going with. But we're going to get more into her character and fill her out more this season and make her a little bit more part of the ensemble as another sort of different type of a, of a character in there. And we're going to go through her journey. And, and her journey plays you know, very much into Ben's journey as well, which is you know, Ben trying to find the strength to to live his life, basically, and to stand up as a mayor to these people in the town. And, you know, he's having a hard time even being strong enough to stand up to Kate, who we'll find out is a very, you know, strong-willed person like the rest of the women in the show. And what we'll sort of discover this season for Ben as part of his journey is in the process of, of learning how to, you know, have a, have a better, uh, more intimate and honest relationship with Kate, he gains the skill set that he needs to you know, be a better mayor and be stronger and get the things done in town that he wants to do. So we're trying to tie them all together like that. And bringing Kate up as a bit of a bigger character, also as Max's mom, is going to help fill out those storylines a lot, which is going to be great. Always great insight from Chris Sheridan about Resident Alien and looking forward to a lot of that stuff in the second season. Going to move on to talk to Corey Reynolds and Alan Tudyk, or of course, you can go play Harry and Sheriff Mike, respectively. And one of the questions that when the other journalists asked was about the fact that they're kind of being set up as adversaries here coming up 
in this season with the murder investigation and everything. You'll hear what they had to say about that. And then I asked something a little bit different as well. Check it out. Well, you know, at the end of uh, last season, we found out who killed Sam Hodges. And this season, we're going to delve more into the why. What exactly was the actual, the, the first human Harry Vanderspiegel? Uh, what was he up to? Uh, and what type of chaos did, you know, Alan's character inherit by, you know, taking over his life. But uh, it's still uh, a tremendous amount of hijinks that takes place as we pursue said leads in case, in the case. Yeah, as foes, they're both, and out of respect, they both have their amount of being idiots. Out of respect. <laughs> We're both facts. Men <laughs> facts. <laughs> so as foes. I think that's where the hilarity that ensues comes from is the fact that they're, they're both idiots. But I mean, we started off as foes mm-hmm. from the very beginning. You didn't very, you very, trust. yes. It's and the joke you made reason. about the, uh, the black truck, you know, from the right. very, very first moment that they met. That set the tone in a way that uh, they're still trying to recuperate from. From the first kung kung. <laughs> Alan, Corey, how you guys doing? Good, good. good. So really quickly, one of the things I love about the trailer is that Mike's just not buying this whole alien thing. And I, and I don't think he's kind of bought it from the very beginning. So for, kind of for the both of you, do you feel like that's going to continue to be to Harry's advantage this season? Or are we going to see Mike sort of kind of lean over a little bit and maybe start believing a little more? I right. think he I think uh, he has a healthy skepticism of of, uh, of of UFOs and I don't see that without getting into too much of the season but I don't see that changing very much uh, for him I think Mike's very much into what he can see smell taste touch uh, you know yes also simultaneously Sheriff Mike would solidly believe in the chupacabra Oh, absolutely. Well, and he <laughs> believes in that. Bigfoot. You know, he says that Bigfoot lives up in Seattle. So there yeah. are, and he also believes that women love buckets. So that's so the line. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, the aliens line yeah. is the line he won't cross. That's the one that- don't love buckets? This is no. news to me. This is, that explains no, why Christmas was so bad in the Tudor household. Yes, yes, because yes, ladies love their buckets. Absolutely. I got my wife several buckets. For Christmas. <laughs> hmm. Chris didn't like the buckets? No, no. <laughs> Dang it. So yeah, I don't I don't I think yeah, his 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 skepticism of aliens uh, remains pretty firm thus far. Lucky for me. And speaking of lucky, I was so lucky to once again get a chance to talk to Alice Wetterland and Sarah Tomko, of course, play Darcy and Asta and just I remember last year talking to these two. And it was just such a fun conversation, and they certainly dis- didn't disappoint talking about season two as well. Check it out. So, Sarah, Alice, so wonderful to talk to you again. How you doing? Hi, good. Thank you, James. Hi. Obviously, things aren't exactly awesome between Darcy and, and Asta right now. So where are we at as we start this season between the two of them? Well, I think that Darcy has pent up frustration about a lot of things not just Asta but her life is not going the way she wanted and she really needs Asta basically and so Asta's got more on her plate right now and Darcy doesn't know what's going on and there's this disconnect between them so as we begin season two I think we see 
Darcy doing her best to kind of repair and put out an olive branch with Asta and try to, you know, reconnect because, I mean, frankly, Asta's all she has in her life. So that's stable and good. So she really needs to. Same. When you, when you first see our episode start, it's a lot of, you know, what happened in season one, kind of, you know, uh, picking up where we left off and sort of, you know, buttoning it and bringing it to a close. So I feel like season two really begins actually with this beautiful scene between Darcy and Asta when Darcy comes to her and says, I know your secret. And Asta obviously Mm -hmm. thinks she's talking about knowing about Harry being an alien. And it ends up, she knows that Jay's her daughter. And it's this beautiful, like terrified. I mean, Asta's terrified in that moment, like, oh God, you know, but also thank God, you know, and then, oh, but you don't know, but you know, (laughs) it's this great up and down that really, I think, kicks off what season two is all about, which is friendship, humanity, still a lot of lying, but also uh, helping each other. And I think you're going to see Asta leaning on Darcy a lot more in season two in a way she never has before which is just, I think, a really great thing to see on television, to have a friendship that's not about, you know, relationships with men, but really just about, like, helping each other out. Yeah, they're each other's, you know, I mean, this is, like, I I think a lot of the fan reaction I've heard is, from, from people is, like, that this friendship is similar to ones that they have in their lives. And this friendship is really reflective of, of one of my oldest friendships and, and their dynamic and how they lean on each other and they're, you know, their family to each other. But something about women becoming friends and having this kind of like love relationship that is platonic, but also very intense and very symbiotic in a lot of ways. You know, we don't always get to see that, especially in shows like this and sci-fi shows. So it's, it's really important because it's, it's a huge part of, of my life and I love to see it reflected on screen. So really quickly, we saw Darcy kind of a bonding moment with Austin's daughter Jay last season. Do you kind of feel like Darcy could actually be the key to helping Jay open up to Austin a little bit more coming up this season? Maybe. (laughs) You might say that that might be something that might be some way in true to what you said. I think that I'm super jealous, but I think you're onto something. I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out. Truly. We're not sure how the next couple episodes are going to go. And we haven't had any of that kind of closure yet with Jay and I, but it seems like an obvious key link, but I just need to get over my jealousy (laughs) and ego about it. You know? Yeah. And Darcy needs to wonder why she's so comfortable hanging out with teenagers. (laughs) (laughs) She's comfortable hanging out with anybody. Come on. It's true. Yeah, but she's got no problem being at a college party in a way that is maybe a little distressing. (laughs) And honestly, if you loved season one of Resident Alien, I think you're going to love season two just as much for the same reasons, but also for a couple of more very interesting reasons as well coming up this season. That's all I can really say. Just make sure you're watching Resident Alien January 26th coming up on sci-fi they're actually going to have more episodes put the season up into two parts this year so we're getting more resident alien throughout the year which i really really love and again thanks to chris sheridan and alan tudyk Corey reynolds sarah tomka alice wetterland for joining me to talk about resident alien also i want to give a shout out to damien holbrook from tv insider and tv guide magazine who i was partnered up with in the roundtables for for his insightful questions and for just keeping the mood in the room really really fun so thanks to him 
as well. And yeah, make sure you're watching Resident Alien on Sci-Fi because you've got no reason not to at this point. Up next, going to be talking a little bit of Harmony. That's right, Sing a Bit of Harmony, the brand new anime movie from Funimation. And I'm going to be talking to Ian Sinclair and, and Jordan Dash Cruz about that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is Allison Araya from DC's Peacemaker, and you're listening to Down and Nerdy. Certainly don't talk about enough anime on the show. Going to fix that this week by talking about a new film from Funimation and Company called Sing a Bit of Harmony. And yes, there's plenty of music involved. Plenty of fun, some artificial intelligence, and some great sci-fi elements there as well. So I got a chance to talk to Ian Sinclair, who does the voice of Gochan in this movie in the English dub. Jordan Dash Cruz as well, who does the voice of Toma in the movie. And if you've seen the movie, you know how important those characters are. So let's hear from them more about Sing a Bit of Harmony. All righty, Ian, Jordan, how you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing pretty great. good, man. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. So sing a bit of harmony, a lot of energy there. It's already been released in Japan, quite popular over there already. What do you think U.S. anime fans are going to enjoy most about the film? I think they're going to enjoy the whole film. (laughs) I mean, ideally, yeah, I I agree. (laughs) I think that they're going to love the fact that it is a really good story that is grounded in a lot of real and like emotional kind of interpersonal stuff that we all deal with. And, and it's, you know, also something that has the elements of anime and the fantastic and like sci-fi elements that still, you know, us anime fans, we love so much. So it gives you both and it gives you something that you can, you know, take your mom to. And then your mom will go, you know, that anime thing you watch so much ain't that bad. And you go, I told you, mom. <laughs> that might just be me. I don't know. They gotta, they gotta put that on the poster. Safe to take your mom to. Yes, <laughs> dude. There we go. I, I, I agree with, uh, I agree with Ian. You know, I, I think that this film is something that people are gonna be able to relate to. They're gonna be able to see these characters and say, hey, you know, that kind of reminds me of me. You know, back when I was younger, or kids who are in high school that watch the film. Hey, that kind of reminds me of me now. It, it is very real, and I, and I think that that's what's so appealing about it. You know, the, the wacky stuff in anime is, is great, and it's a lot of fun, but when you're able to get a film that that's very real and, and and deals with you know real issues that that people deal with i think a lot more people tend to say oh okay you know like i i kind of can relate to this so i really really enjoy this you know Absolutely. sometimes it's harder to relate to i'm a teenager who turned into a giant werewolf but <laughs> exactly. secretly i'm an otter <laughs> exactly like this is this is something like yeah relationships I I know what that's like yeah this is this is a little bit more reachable yeah that's it's it's yeah I would say that that's about right mom doesn't so, go what he's a werewolf pig <laughs> you talked about the sci-fi elements and of course we're dealing with an AI here Shion has a really I mean just a big personality so how do you think your characters would describe her and their first impressions of her she's a lot she seems pretty cool I think that's what he'd say I feel like. I feel like my character would just be like, oh, this is so sick. This is yeah. so awesome. Yes, he would. Yes, he would. <laughs> this is sick. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about it. I mean, you see the excitement on his face in the trailer, so yeah. and you'll see more of it coming so up in the movie, too. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a lovable being. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's talk about Toma and, and Gochan for a little bit. What, yeah. What's the favorite? What is your favorite thing about your characters? I love playing. Hey, I love playing laid-back characters. It's it's one of my favorites. But I, I play a lot of characters who are very big that have. I'll use the word big. So for me, 
it was refreshing and it always feels really good when I can play very soft, very kind, very grounded and realistic. It, it allows me to, in, instead of having to try to filter it through, you know, how would a giant werewolf pig deal with this? It's just trying to really find the deep truths of, uh, within me and my emotions and my past and, and bring it out. All the best performances come from someone just like knowing what that's like and what that feeling is and, and then just and then just kind of reliving it. And, and that's what I was able to do. I was able to tap into as, as honest and as truthful and as soft a character. I, I, don't, I don't usually get to speak that softly. And that was really cool. Caitlin Glass is a fantastic director. And I think she did an amazing job casting this. Yes, yes. I agree. For me, I guess for for Toma, I just like the fact that he's himself, you know, yeah. um, he's not trying to be anybody, you know, he's got his interests, he's got the way that he is, you know, he's he's a little bit more on the shy, like introverted side, but he's he's there for his friends, you know, he he wants to help as best as he can. And, you know, he always, at least for the most part, tries to do it with a smile on his face. <laughs> yeah you know so that that that's what i really admire about him is just you know he's he's willing to you know say hey you know like i get that i'm smart when it comes to electronics because he's part of the electronics club and you know he's like hey i'll help out best i can <laughs> his facial expressions in this movie are priceless yeah they are. priceless he's, i love it <laughs> yeah he's <laughs> he's he's great so one of the you talk about you know this being such a relatable show. It seems like this group of friends doesn't like really start out as a group of friends early on. How much did you both enjoy telling the story of just how this group actually came together? I loved uh, it. I had a great time. <laughs> I like all these people, and so it's good work with them. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I loved telling the story just about just this this group of 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 you know, friends, like, I, I think we've all kind of going back to the realism, you know, I think we've all kind of been there where it's like, you, you know, people, but you're not necessarily close. And then experiences in life bring you closer together. So again, just kind of delving into that realism. So it was, it was really fun to tell that story. And another very realistic things is sometimes, especially, I mean, if I'm remembering correctly from high school, like, yeah, you'll, you will have been friends with somebody many grades before, but mm -hmm. because so much happens, like you may not have hung out with someone since third grade, you know, each other, you're kind of friends, you're a whole, that's a popular kid, that's a whatever. But, uh, it, it feels like they grew up together and they have all this knowledge, but we all want the same thing, not only plot wise, but they all, we all, they're all going towards their own happiness and they all find that together. See, that's called an interesting. That's called an interesting tease in the biz. So that's a very done, Ian. Well, well done. <laughs> Not my first rodeo. There you go. There you go. So I mean, the the movie's called "Sing a Bit of Harmony." So obviously, mm -hmm. music a big part of the film. Since you all were doing dubs, did you actually get to hear any of the music while you were recording? And did any of the songs actually get stuck in your head at any point? We got to hear the Japanese. I don't think Megan was recorded by the time I had uh, I had been in, but since I've heard them in, because I have the my line, my my singing line is gets stuck in my head all the time, uh, and now the whole song. Now that I've heard the whole dub, now the song is stuck in my head. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Did Just you guys know out. that you were going to be singing going into this though? No. I think she may have told us. I think she told us, but like, I didn't know how much. 
Like you never know Same. like wh whether it's gonna be like, do I have a solo? Do I have a whole song? Do I have three songs? Same. Or it's like, uh, you got a line. It'll be like, am I? One of the first questions I asked was, is he a good singer? Because that changes everything. If they're a good singer, <laughs> oh man, you gotta try, you gotta hit every note. If you're just being a person who's singing from their heart, just sing from your heart. And then if it doesn't sound like it sounds more realistic and all that. And so luckily I found out I don't have to be a pristine singer in it. And so it just took all the weight off. <laughs> so not exactly on the resume then. Okay. Good oh, to know. oh, no, but at the same time, <laughs> one of the best songs that i've been a part of in anime like there you far, go like it's there you such go. a good such a good one. yeah no i i think i was i was right there with you like it was it was one of those things where i was just like i don't know well if if i do i do and if i don't i guess i don't it was uh you know not, not to say too much because obviously i don't want to spoil anything it was fun it was interesting and fun and that's all i'll say <laughs> There you go. Well, we're going to keep it spoiler free, of course, with this last one as well, before I let you guys go. There's a line in the movie somewhere there. It says the secrets are always revealed at the end. So, of course, no spoilers. How surprised do you think people are going to be about this final act? Because I was. Dude, me too. I think I and it's it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding because you go back through the movie and you go, that's why blank was blank. Ah, yeah. Blank makes, ah, oh, that's so sweet. And then I ran to my girlfriend and I was be like, hey, you remember when you were watching them and you came in the movie and Blank was doing Blank? It's because of this. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. I love yeah. that ending. It's, it's great. It really is. I was very surprised, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it's it's kind of just like Ian said. It's like, oh, now, uh, yeah, I know, and uh, I did that too. Now I don't feel embarrassed for doing that at all in a room by myself because that, <laughs> I'm right, glad you guys reacted the same way. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the thing, and we were so still. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was great, man. Well, just be ready to get your minds blown on in select theaters beginning January 23rd. That's where you could see Sing About a Harmony. Ian Sinclair, Jordan Dash Cruz. Guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank Appreciate you, it. Man. Thank you. I'm thank you, man. Care. And the guys really hit the nail on the head when talking about this thing because there's so much fun involved and there's and there's some great visuals. The music is cool. But this movie, Sing A Bit of Harmony, goes much deeper than you think it does. Make sure you're paying attention and remembering all the things that happened early on it's going to pay off in a big way. And I got to say, I, I, I'm not the most experienced anime person in the world, but watching this, I really, really enjoyed it, especially the payoff at the end made me appreciate the earlier parts of the movie even more. So make sure you find a way to see Sing a Bit of Harmony in select theaters from Funimation. I think you really Really going to enjoy it. Once again, thanks to Ian Sinclair and Jordan Dash Cruz for joining me to talk about Sing a Bit of Harmony. Hopefully, you can find a theater near you that's showing that this weekend. Up next, get head over to the Peacock streaming service and talk about Supernatural Academy, the brand new animated series. I'll talk about that next with my review on the Down and Nerdy podcast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Blue Diamond Phillips, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Time for us to exit the human world and head to the Supernatural Academy. The brand new animated series has dropped on Peacock. Of course, this is based on the Supernatural Academy books by Jamin Eve. And I thought I would go ahead and give a spoiler-free review of this one just because, I mean, the show just came out on Thursday. I don't want to be that guy. Plus, maybe you didn't know about it at all and you just need more info. So I don't, don't worry, I got you covered here. So quickly, the, basically the show is based, based on a couple of twin sisters. You've got Misha, who of course was brought up in the human world and had no idea that she had supernatural powers. And you know, she was kind of she's kind of shy and unsure of herself too. And then you've got Jessa, who's the opposite. She was raised in this magical world. She has her powers down already. She's very confident. She has a, a, a big group of friends and things like that. So they, they, they are very much opposites. And, and this is really no spoiler because it's in the description for the show. So I'm not spoiling anything here for you. But basically, they end up finding out about each other. But they also find out that they are dragon marked. And what does that mean? Well, basically, dragon marked means that you're a slave to serve the Dragon King, which is a bad thing, by the way. So they basically have to suck it up, work together to save themselves, their friends, their family, and the world that they're in, too, by the way. Now, the thing about this show for me is, is that, first of all, I I go into this fully understanding that I'm not the target demo for this show. Okay, I'm going to put that out there right now, but I think I can still be fair about this because I don't know that this show knows what its target demo wants to be. And I say that because in the beginning you kind of think, okay, so this is more of like a, a young adult type series. And then it just feels like it gets a little bit more. I don't even, I don't want to say adult, maybe teenager ask. And then it sort of, it seems like it keeps reverting into all of these different. Well, it seems like it's suited for, this group and it seems like it's suited for this group and, and the the language in the show which of course I'm not a prude you've heard me drop plenty of language on this show before I was surprised to see it in this show because I thought that this was more of a, a younger tilt show and it turns out it's absolutely not so I, I mean obviously I didn't read the book so I can't even I can't give you a this is a faithful adaptation of the books type of thing but it, it just feels like these characters don't know these. We don't know how these characters are presented for what particular age group, I guess is what I'm going at. And maybe this is something that's supposed to appeal to all age groups, right? You know, you've got sisters that don't necessarily get along right away. You've got parents who seem to abandon each other in a weird way and have kind of an, a weird relationship. You've got a weird headmaster, headmaster Kristoff, who's got some shady stuff going on. You've got this very interesting group of friends. I mean, you've got, when you've got wolf shifters where, you know, Jessa can turn in to a werewolf. You've got Brax who can turn into a dragon. You've got Max who's a vampire sort of thing. So, you, so you're running the gambit. You've also got, 
you know, you've got mermaids in here. So if you get a lot of magical, a lot of magical elements and characters in this thing. So there, there's a lot going on here. And that's my that's actually one of my criticisms of the first couple of episodes. It's like they really throw a lot of characters at you right away, like a lot. They expect you to catch on really, really quick. And it doesn't really take the time to kind of flesh out these character dynamics right away. It, it almost feels like you're, you're dropped into this world instead of really. And they kind of try to explain it in the early going along. It's not hard to follow. Don't get me wrong. It's not hard to follow. It's just that there's not a lot of depth that's given to these characters before you're thrown right into everything. Except for Misha. I think Misha, you probably get a decent amount of depth on her right away. With with some of these other characters, it's more like, okay, I get it. He's this, or I get it. She's this, or I get it. They're this. So, as far as who their characters are. And maybe that's fine. Maybe you can move on and brush that along. Because you should know what the deal is with these characters. And who they are. And what what kind of characters you're dealing with here. And maybe the, the focus should be on the story and about the dragon mark and about how these sisters are going to get along long enough. But there's definitely a lot of tropey stuff here. And I could, I could sit here and, and nitpick this thing probably quite a bit, but I'm not really going to do that. I just feel like, again, I'm not the age group that they're going for with this, but I wish it was a little bit more clear who should be watching this. Like, obviously, you know, for, for a couple of different reasons, I can't let my seven year old watch this show. But yet, if I had, say, a 13, 14-year-old daughter, would she enjoy the show? I don't know, because it might not be aged up enough. I don't, it, it, there's, a, there's a line there, and I'm not sure what it is and where to go with this, right? Now, are there some fun character dynamics in the circle of friends? Sure. Are there plenty of relatable things about a bunch of these characters? Sure. Absolutely. Are there familiar themes that a younger audience would take to pretty quickly and, and see like, oh, that I, I enjoyed show X and this seems like show X. So I enjoy it partially for that reason and I'll give it a chance. Sure. There are a lot of things that have that going for it. But again, without a clear identity of who this show is supposed to be for, I think that that kind of hurts the way the story is being told. A little bit. And again, as the episodes go on, and I got to see quite a bit of the episodes before giving this review, as the show goes on, things maybe become a little bit clearer and things get certainly get more and more interesting as far as what's going on with the story and, and the, this unraveling this mystery of the dragon mark and finding out exactly what these sisters need to do and this group of friends needs to do. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff there that kind of takes you out of it a little bit too. So is it perfect? No. Is it, is it one that you need to avoid? No, I don't think so. I think if the, if you, if, if you liked the books, this is certainly something I think you should give a chance. But at the same time, if you're looking for something that's right on that edge of being for kids and being for teenagers, this is something that certainly as an adult, you wouldn't have a problem with this as a whole. There's certainly some annoying things in here, but it's like, well, like teenage drama type stuff that, you know, if you, if you're already into that sort of thing by other shows that you watch, it probably won't bother you in this show. But again, Supernatural Academy to me, this is one I'm really curious to hear what you guys think 
about. So make sure you go to downandnerdypodcast.com or follow along on social media at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and Instagram and at downandnerdy on Facebook. I really want to know what you thought of Supernatural Academy. That's going to do it for my spoiler-free review of Supernatural Academy from Peacock. Up next, let's tackle the latest nerd news. I'm James Witham, and this is the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is comic book writer Peter Hogan, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. What's in a name? Apparently a whole lot. It's time for nerd news, and you know that the new Lord of the Rings series that's going to be coming to Prime Video is going to happen on September the 2nd. Of this year, but we finally know what the title of the series is going to be. And let's just say fans not so thrilled with the title. First of all, I've got to admit that the video that they released for the title treatment was pretty awesome. All the the, the molten steel and the water, and, and you're expecting something big and epic and profound, and it's the rings of power. And I see that and I just go. Remember the Price is Right, that sound that they used to make when somebody would lose and or something like that? That's how I felt when I saw this title because, you know, you build something up so much. And there has been a lot of build up to this by both Amazon and Warner Brothers leading up to this series. And especially that since they already announced the title for the anime movie that they're going to be doing as well. And that was just so mysterious and cool. And then you get the rings of power, which just seems really unimaginative and really on the nose for some reason, right? It's almost like you're, you're trying to dumb it down a little bit in a, in a weird way. And I get it. Okay. I, so normally I'm not that guy, right? And I would say it's just a title who cares if we haven't seen a trailer yet, we barely even seen a first look yet of what the show is going to look like. Doesn't the content matter more than anything else? And yes, it absolutely does. But what this is, is a little bit of a troublesome start because you're thinking to yourself, okay, if you couldn't come up with a great title, like something that really catches your attention, then what did you do with the story? So that's the thing that you've got to worry about a little bit. And I and this is one of those rare times where I kind of understand why this is a little bit bigger of a deal than it would normally be. Because that, that, that is just a little weird, right? Because you, you've seen bad titles sort of botch things in the past, right? I mean, that, that's certainly something that's happened before. And Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, for example... That, that was not a title that was met with a lot of applause. And, you know, look how that turned out for plenty of fans, even though, of course, I didn't hate it. But, you know, also didn't love it either. So, the, I don't know. And maybe it's my fault. Maybe I built this up too much in my head already because I've looked so forward to this coming to Prime Video on September the 2nd. And I've just been building it up in my head ever since because I've been waiting for a Lord of the Rings series to come out because I really think that's a story format that fits Lord of the Rings storytelling. And then I see this title and I go, ah, really? Ugh, you know, all right, I can live with the title. And I can, I promise. But now you got to wow me with the trailer. Because if you don't wow me with the trailer at this point, and we're probably a, a, a pretty good ways off from getting a first trailer. Now, if you don't wow me with the trailer, I'm really going to be worried. So there's a lot of pressure now. I think it's going to be attached to this upcoming trailer for Lord of the Rings, whether we like it or not, it's called The Ring of Power, which will be coming soon 
to Prime Video from Amazon and Warner Brothers Television. Speaking of television, there's plenty of trailers to talk about this week. And yep, we saw the Moon Knight trailer drop not too long ago. We now also know that the show is going to be starting on Disney Plus on March 30th. Of course, we've got Oscar Isaac, who's going to be playing Moon Knight slash Mark Spector. And I got to tell you, this one does look dark and gritty, doesn't it? Which is kind of what it has to be and kind of what fans were hoping for. And it looks like that's exactly what we're getting. And I mean, hey, if you didn't know if you were asleep or awake, you'd probably go a little insane too. So it really captures the madness of this character quite a bit. And I got to tell you, Oscar Isaac just looks like he's just made for this part, doesn't he? Of course, everybody thinks he's crazy and things like that. We actually get to see him in the Moon Knight suit. Well, I'm sure it's not him. I'm sure it's a stunt double that's in the Moon Knight suit. But at the same time, you get to actually see the suit in the trailer and it does not disappoint at all. And of course, the logline for the show is welcome to the chaos, which sort of makes sense in this regard, right? And then you've got Ethan Hawke. We get to see his character a little bit too. You know, not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of reveal there for his character, but certainly creepy enough to make things interesting. So I got to tell you, this is one where, yeah, Moon Knight's kind of a deep cut character, but it's also one of those characters that has an intriguing storyline and a really cool suit. And that's, again, you want to talk about something that catches your eye. If you're somebody that really, really doesn't know a whole lot about Moon Knight, and I'd be lying if I said I was deep and steeped in Moon Knight comics knowledge. That's just a character that kind of slipped through the cracks for me when I was younger reading comics. So I, I don't have a ton of Moon Knight knowledge. So I go into this not completely blind, but certainly not as, as well-versed as some fans are that have read the comics in the past. But if you're somebody that knows absolutely nothing about Moon Knight and you see this trailer, you go, Oscar Isaac, check. Really cool suit, check. Oh, this story looks interesting, check. And that's what you do when you release the first trailer for something. Because, again, you want to reel in the fans that maybe don't know a ton about this character and kind of go from there. Because Marvel's done a fantastic job with that up to this point. So why would they stop now? And they can do the same thing with a character like Moon Knight. And then the sky's the limit from there. You never know how far you can go. Did, did they think that Agatha Harkness was going to catch fire in WandaVision? Maybe, maybe not. But now look how that sort of branched out. You just never know what you're going to get. And I think what Disney's hoping is that, and Marvel Studios is hoping, is that this that Moon Knight really, really catches people's attention and it's a character that they could do a lot with going forward. So, I mean, hey, bravo on the first trailer being exactly what you need. And I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm absolutely 100% intrigued. And I can't wait to see where this show's going to go. And is it going to be the darkest Marvel series on Disney Plus yet? And does that open doors for other things that maybe we might want? We'll have to wait and see. Yes, speculation, of course. I'm not going to say it out loud because you'll get mad at me. And I don't want you to get mad at me yet. Well, 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 maybe you'll get mad at me in a few minutes. Here's something else that I've really been looking forward to, and that is Vikings Valhalla, which is the new series that's going to be coming to Netflix. It's actually going to be set over a 1,000 years ago in the early 11th century. Yes, this is based in the same world as the Vikings TV series. And what we're going to have is we're going to have Leif Erikson is going to be a part of this. You've got Freitas 
Eric's daughter is going to be a part of this. And also Harold Sigurdsson. And excuse me if I butchered any of those names. Trying my best here. But basically it's going to highlight the tension between the Vikings and the English Royals. And boy does this trailer show that there is an epic war on the horizon. And, And these Vikings feel like, again, they've been wronged by the Royals. So they're going after their land. That's the one thing that they love the most other than their power is their land. So the Vikings are like, all right, well, we're just going to go take it. Now, can they survive against the English Royal army? We'll have to find out or soldiers or whatever you want to call them at the particular point in history. But can they survive against these knights? We'll have to wait and see. And again, this is one of those things where you could see this running multiple seasons, right? So that's one of the cool things about this show. And it just looks, again, it looks like one of those things where, you know, you're going to learn a lot about these characters, I think, going forward. But at the same time, you're also just going to get these epic battle scenes with just bodies everywhere and swords flying and shields clanging and things like that. And you know what? At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're in it for the battles, I'm not mad at you. I think that I, I, I kind of agree with you a little bit, as a matter of fact. So really, really looking forward to this one as well. This one, of course, is going to be coming out on Netflix on February the 25th. And if whether you watch the, the Vikings series or not, I think this is one you can jump into and really, really enjoy. If you're a gamer, you recognize Cuphead. Well, the Cuphead show is going to be coming to Netflix. The animated series is going to be starting on February the 18th. On Netflix, and I gotta say, one of the things I really loved about this trailer right off the bat is the animation style. Because the animation style and just the whole vibe of the show really gives me a classic Looney Tunes vibe. As a matter of fact, I'd go as far as to say this feels like one of those shows where you get an animated short before a movie. That used to be a thing, boys and girls, before end credit scenes and and two and a half hour long movies that don't necessarily need to be two and a half hours long. You had little cartoons before the movie would start. And that's exactly the kind of vibe that I'm getting from the Cuphead show. And that is said with the utmost of appreciation. And please, I hope that that's considered a a compliment by the creative team involved here. But you've got Cuphead You've also got his brother Mugman. You know, of course, they're you know they're going all around Inkwell Isles and they're trying to you know have some fun, maybe have a little bit of adventure. Then the devil pops up, and all hell breaks loose, literally and figuratively. But at the same time, again, you're giving me such a great classic Looney Tunes vibe. And if you remember the Cuphead game and how that was just such a groundbreaking way to model your game and presentation that you got from that game and you certainly that carries into this animated series as well. And what what the show looks like is just a lot of fun period. I mean, that that's just, and there's nothing wrong with that either. There's a ton of fun. It's got a great cast. You've got true Valentino is going to be cophead. Frank Todaro is going to be Mugman, the voice of the dice King, by the way, Wayne Brady. How about that? And Greg Griffin's going to be in this as well. Johanna, You've also got Luke Millington Drake. So a really good cast that's involved in this thing as well. It just looks like a ton of fun. February 18th can't come here soon enough. 
as far as I'm concerned, because I need to have the Cuphead show in my life for certain. So it's been a while since I've done any comic book news on the show. And there's, you know, there's varying reasons for that. This one, I couldn't let it go, though. DC Comics has released a, had a press release this week saying that they are going to be killing the Justice League. Now, before you do your deep sigh, give me a second here to kind of give you some of the particulars because it's going to start on April the 19th with Justice League number 75. The creative team on this, legit. Joshua Williamson and Rafa Sandoval, you know, you trust them with almost anything. Right, it's going to be a big 48-page supersized issue. They're going to have a bunch of variant covers there as well. Some of them have, you, you've seen, you saw one, I believe it's the Dan Jurgens cover where it's got the, the caskets on it of some of, the Justice League, of some of the Justice League members that will perish. But here's the thing that automatically jumped out to a bunch of fans and jumped out to me as well. Okay, so when you hear they're going to kill the Justice League and you see coffins for Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman, that alone is jarring enough, right? But do you know whose coffin you don't see is Barry Allen's The Flash? So, and of course, longtime writer of The Flash, Joshua Williamson, by the way, that's, that's certainly worth noting. But here's the deal, is that you The Flash survives, which means you could at any point retcon this whole thing if it's not working because you let Barry Allen survive. And again, nothing wrong with Barry Allen surviving. I love Barry Allen. But it's that back door into, well, we can undo this whenever we want sort of thing. Now, could they also undo it any other number of ways? Sure, they absolutely could. But it's a lot easier when you got Barry Allen. And then you see the Green Lantern casket but Hal Jordan's standing right in the middle of everything. So you kill off a Green Lantern, but it's not Hal Jordan. So then there's that. So I obviously feel like it's probably Jon Stewart that, that, that dies, right? But, but again, you don't get rid of Hal Jordan. You don't get rid of Barry Allen. It looks like Aquaman is a part of this as well. And then, but basically, it seems like the gist here is to highlight some other heroes. Now, if you look at what they're actually doing here... One of the things that they talk about in the press release, and of course, you know, not, not a ton of details that get revealed at this point, but basically there's a dark army that's made up of the DCU's greatest villains, and they formed on the edges of the multiverse, and the best and most powerful heroes are pulled together in an epic war to push the darkness back. In the end, the Justice League are killed by the dark army with only one survivor to warn the remaining heroes about Earth. Uh, heroes of Earth about what's coming. Now you see all these other heroes of Earth on one of these covers as well. And if you want to highlight some of the other characters, that's fine by me because you know what? At this point, I was, I'll, I'll be honest, I was upset about this at first. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, isn't it time to do something different here? Isn't it time to just throw caution to the wind and say, you know what? Let's just do something because I feel like my personal opinion is that comics as a whole outside of a couple of publishers, and I don't really want to single out anybody here, but outside of a couple of publishers has not, it's, it hasn't been a fantastic year for comics, right? There's not a ton of titles that jumped out and grabbed me and said, I need to read this now and I need to keep reading these every week for the rest of the year, as long as you're going to put them out. 
There weren't a ton of titles that did that for me. And maybe I'm alone in that. Judging by what I'm seeing on social media, I don't think I am. You do something like this, though. And that at least... And again, maybe it's gimmicky and this is just something that we do in comics every now and then where you try to kill off a character or a bunch of characters and that's the impact you're going to make. Is that a trope of the comic industry? Absolutely it is. But you know what? They've got to try something. Okay? They've got to do something to make a splash and get some attention. And that's exactly what this kind of thing does is if nothing else, it grabs some attention and maybe puts some attention onto your product line that wasn't there beforehand. And, you know, as much as people bitch about this, you're still going to read it to find out what happens. Let's just be honest with ourselves. You're going to read it anyway. You're going to buy the issue probably as a collector's item anyway. So, you know, you might as well just go into it with an open mind at this point. Plus, fact of the matter is, I mean, if you're, they're going to have probably like five or six other Batman books going on at the same time with Bruce Wayne. You're going to have some Superman books. You're going to have probably some Wonder Woman books and so on and so forth. It's not like these characters are going away completely. Okay? You're going to have certain stories with these characters in them. There's nothing in the press release that says that. I just know comics. And that's just what happens. Okay? Especially comics in this generation. So it's not like you're going to be devoid of any stories from the characters that you know and love. This is just going to be a mainlining continuity thing that they're doing to shake things up a bit. You can do out of continuity stuff all you want and make that and make people happy. But here's the deal. This may or may not work out. This may or may not get retconned immediately, but at least they're trying something. Is it some are they trying something that's completely original and outside the box? No, and part of the reason for that is because probably because when they try to do that, there's a lot more complaints about that than anything else. So they're trying something that goes the safe route. That's a tried and true method. I mean, even Joshua Williamson said in the press release, he was talking about how he, he remembers buying Death of Superman 30 years ago. And you think you're like 30 years later and they're still using the same gimmick. And, and it's not just DC's not the only one that's guilty of this because Marvel does it all the time. With all kinds of other characters. And you know you set up your new number one. And you call it a day. Sort of thing. So, but And here's the other thing. So Dark Knight's Metal didn't kill the Justice League. But this will. And that's the other thing that popped up into my head immediately. The, the, the amount of threat that they faced. During Dark Knight's Metal. And Death Metal and things like that. If they survived that. And can't survive whatever this is. I, I have to see whatever this is. So I'm, you've, you've got my curiosity peaked automatically just because of that. But am I going to give it a chance? Of course I'm going to give it a chance. Now, is it going to work out? Who knows? I really hope it does because I, I want to see something innovative come out of an idea that's been done a thousand times. And I have confidence that Joshua Williamson and Rafa Sandoval and company can deliver. I'm just hoping that they get the freedom to do so. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Down and Nerdy podcast. Again, thanks to the wonderful cast of Resident Alien for joining me this week. Also, Jordan Dash Cruz and Ian Sinclair from Sing a Bit of Harmony. You can see that in select theaters this weekend. Also, as far as Resident Alien, go see that on Sci-Fi coming up. Also, find us online at downandnerdypodcast.com. Follow us on social media as well at downandnerdy757 on Twitter and on Instagram and at downandnerdy on Facebook. Also, make sure you're subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. 
Remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, so let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.